the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus, or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there really a God, and where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. I've got four things that the scriptures here tell us that you can take to the bank. Point number one, write this down. The Lord is near and his peace is real. All over this room are people who are going through difficult circumstances. You might be on a scale of 1 to 10, just a 1 or 2 or 3. You might be a 5, 6, or 7. Some of you could be a 10 plus. You're, you're going through some really difficult circumstances. Well, here's some words of advice to you from a man who was in prison when he was writing this. Verse 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. Stop fretting about everything. Just know that the Lord is near. Now, that's true eschatology-wise. That's a big word, eschatology. What does that word mean, eschatology? Eschatology is the study of the end times. Eschatology is the study, the theology of when Jesus Christ is going to return the second time. And as far as I'm concerned, eschatology-wise, the Lord Jesus Christ could return any moment. All the signs are in place. We're simply here waiting right now for Jesus Christ to return. But that's true not only eschatology-wise, that's true theologically speaking, internally-wise, because the Bible says when you got saved, when you were saved, that God put His presence, His Spirit, inside of you. Which means that wherever you go, if you go over here, the Lord is with you. If you go over here, the Lord is with you over here. It also means if you're up on top of the mountain, everything's going good in your life, the Lord is with you. But it also means if you're in some difficult circumstances and you're down in the valley, guess who's down there with you? The Lord is with you because the Lord is always near. Verse 6 in your Bible says, do not be anxious. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to who? To God. So don't fret about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The next verse, verse 7 says in your Bible that the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, you can't even comprehend his peace, it will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Supernatural peace, beyond your ability to even understand, will wash over you, will cover you, will protect you. Now, number two in your outline, write this down. I want you to write it down. Focus on what's noble, not on your Chernobyl. (laughs) Chernobyl is the largest disaster, the most disastrous nuclear plant accident in the history of the former Soviet Union in terms of cost and casualties. In a nuclear accident, the radiation poisons you from the inside out. And we have in our world today, in the United States of America, we have our own Chernobyls. The radiation of negative news that comes from our media outlets. The divisive politics from power-hungry politicians. The pollution of pornography that pollutes the hearts and minds of man. The destructive plague of drugs and alcohol that have led to the addiction of millions of our citizens. The immorality side of Hollywood that poisons like a sewer our culture. The toxin of prejudices and racisms and injustices in our world today. And so many of us spend all our time just focused in on these Chernobyls. And that's all we seem to think about in our culture. But the Bible says in verse 8, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, instead, what you ought to be thinking about, it says whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what we should be thinking about. You all need to memorize this verse. You need to write it down and tape it to your mirror, tape it on your refrigerator, put it next to your nightstand, make sure it's on your computer screen somewhere, engrave it on your desk at work, but don't get in trouble, but engrave it on the desk at your work and begin to understand that the Bible tells us that our minds, our hearts, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the things that we should be focused on. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, I want you to write this down. It says, above everything else, you need to guard. You need to write that word down. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. What does that mean? That means that anything and everything that is good in your life comes from a heart that has been well guarded, a heart that is pure. And number three, write this down. Christ will always see you through your circumstances. Christ will always see you through your circumstances. He's not going to sometimes get you through your circumstances. He's always going to get you through your circumstances. 
Now, Paul writes these words. He said, I have learned, in verse 11, he said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Well, what were his circumstances? Well, if you could see the guy, he was chained under house arrest. If you could see his body, his body would be covered with scars through the persecution that he received when he was out traveling and preaching Christ. He actually said these words himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here were some of his circumstances. He said, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely. I have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my own countrymen. I've been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger when I'm out on the country roads. I've been in danger at sea. I've been in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. And yet he writes in verse 11... I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. I will tell you this right now, and I, I, I make no bones about I have no apologies to make this statement. When I look across this audience, every single person in this room, you are, you are so blessed by Almighty God. You have forgotten how many blessings God has given to you. And it, it, it's not even difficult to explain, because what happens, let's say there's 10 things in your life, and nine of them are good. You have your health, you have a family, you have a church, you have a Bible, you have the Holy Spirit, while you have a preacher who loves you. You have your freedoms. You live in freedom. And you have one thing in your life that goes bad. What we do, we all do this. We forget about the nine good things that are happening, and all we do is we zero in on the one thing that's bad, and then we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and all of a sudden we're not a content person because we thank our whole world. And what the real problem is, you have forgotten about how good God's been to you. We live in the most affluent nation in the world. We have more freedoms. We have more opportunities. We have more material possessions, and yet Americans are some of the most dissatisfied people on the face of this earth. And we have one of the highest suicide rates of any civilized nation today. Why is that? Because when something starts to go bad, all we think about is the one bad thing. And then Paul says these words in verse 13. It says in verse 13, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
And I have to tell you, how many of you like that verse? You like verse 13? I got to tell you, most people misuse this verse. Most people misunderstand this verse. This verse does not promise you if you want to climb Mount Everest and you get about halfway there and you can say, well, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This verse does not mean you're getting to the top of Mount Everest. You've completely taken this verse out of context. This entire passage of Scripture is talking about contentment. And Paul's trying to give you the secret of how you can be content in good situations and in bad situations. And he's telling you the secret to being content is having your faith in Jesus Christ. It says... I can do everything through him. Who's him? Him is Jesus. And the secret to being content, whatever your circumstances, if you're in need, if you're hungry, if you're in want, the secret is down in verse 13, is not putting your faith or trust in your own strength, but putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who will give you the strength to be content in whatever your circumstances, that is what this verse is talking about. <laughs> Write this down. Your stewardship is the key to God's sponsorship. I think most of you would like God to sponsor you. Amen? Well, the key to God sponsoring you is your stewardship. Now, let me give you some history, and this is really the main point of this message and the main point of the entire book of Philippians. Back in Acts chapter 16, Paul had never been to Philippi. He was wanting to take the gospel to the east. And the Holy Spirit said, no, Paul, I don't want you to go east into Asia. I want you to go west. But Paul goes, I want to go east. I want to take the gospel. I want to go east. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to go west. He said, okay, I'll go west. And the very first city that he comes to is Philippi. And the gospel had never been preached in Philippi. It's a large Roman uh, town. One of the first people that he meets is a woman named Lydia. She's, she's probably a wealthy woman. She deals in purple cloth. And he explains the gospel to her. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 15, that Lydia... And her entire household were baptized. And from that moment on, Paul began to go into the synagogues week after week, whoever he could find. And he would try to convince that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, he eventually left Philippi. He, he went back a couple of more times. But in those trips to that city, guess what he did? He established a church, a New Testament church, just like this is a New Testament church. He was the one that established a church in the city of Philippi. Now he goes on with his journeys. It's now 10 years later. He's now under house arrest. He is in Rome. And the mailman shows up and says, there's someone outside with a gift, with a package, a present. He's in prison. And here's a guy named Epaphroditus who was from the church at Philippi. And guess what that church had done? They hadn't seen him for 10 years. He's 800 miles away. He's in the largest city in the world. 
And this church from Philippi, they took up a love offering and they sent it to him. And he's sitting there probably thinking that no one even remembers him. They probably have forgotten him. And he gets this gift. And so part of this book, this letter of Philippians, he's writing to say, thank you for supporting my work here in the largest city in the world. I want you to read this with your own eyes. Look at Philippians chapter 1. I'll read this quickly. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you because in all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until what? Until now. Now go back to chapter 4. At the end of this letter, in our text, verse 15, he says, Moreover, everybody say moreover. As you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was down there in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. And now verse 17, he's in Rome. He receives another gift, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have already received full payment and even more. He says I'm amply and fully supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus. That's the guy that brought the the love offering, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to who? And here we are, think about this, 2,000 years later talking about a church in Philippi that supported a ministry in one of the largest cities in the world, Rome at that time, and a man named Paul, they have a reputation for being a giving church. Here we are 2,000 years later still talking about them. I wonder if 2,000 years from now what the reputation of our church will be. Well, they say about Shepherd Church, that was a church that was involved in mission work all around the world. We've been raising monies. We've been providing Bibles. We've sent out mission. We've gone on mission trips. We've actually gone. We've, from this church, we've sent people. Some of them are sitting here right now. We have gone to nine of the 30 largest cities in the world to do the work of God. And we're talking this series is one month to live. And basically, I just want you to know this. You can't take it with you. Not one penny. And when you look back over your life, the thing, one of the things that are going to matter most to you is what have you sown into the kingdom of God that is eternal? I would like to show you something. In fact, I'd like to give you something right now that is worth more than $1.6 billion dollars. It's the next verse. This is, this is worth way more than $1.6 billion. And my God will meet all of your needs. Notice it does not say that he will meet all of your greed. It says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus 
Now, I want you to write this down because some of you are a little confused on this verse too. For every promise, there's a premise. People, listen to me. You've got to study your Bibles. You can't just take a promise of God and claim that promise. Because every promise has a premise. The promise is yours. If you understand the premise. The promise of verse 19, that God will supply all of your needs, that's the promise. But the premise for that promise are verses 14 through 18. What I'm saying to you is you cannot claim verse 19. Verse 19 does not belong to you unless you've done verse 18. That's the premise. That's this point. Your stewardship is the key to God being your sponsor. I believe if you invest in kingdom causes, if you understand that everything in this life is temporary, and to take whatever it is that God gives you and use that to invest in kingdom causes, here was a a church that wanted to support the work of God in a city that was 800 miles away from them. And that offering went up as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. The Bible says it was pleasing to God. And as a result of that, then Paul said, and those of you that have supported that, I want you to know that my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of christ jesus and i want you to circle the word according and what is the difference between you receiving a blessing out of the riches of christ jesus or according to the riches there's a big difference Let's say Bill Gates was here today and he wrote you a check for $10,000. Had your name on it. Bill Gates is like the wealthiest man on the planet. But God has a lot more than Bill Gates. How many of you know that? Okay. Bill Gates has nothing compared to God. But suppose Bill Gates wrote you a check for $10,000. It had your name on it. And it was signed Bill Gates, and he handed you the check. He would be giving you that money out of his riches. But what if Bill Gates wrote you a check, and it was a blank check? It had your name on it. And he signed his name. It's a blank check, not $10,000. It's blank. And he says as he hands you the check, that he is saying, hey, I've already signed this. It's got your name on it. It's for whatever you need. You fill it in. Now he's giving you a gift according to his riches. And when God promises to meet all of your needs, the things that he does for you are not out of his riches. It's according to his riches. This is far greater than any of us even have the ability or capability to understand. I think it all begins with whatever you're going through here in this life, taking all of those worries and placing them in the hands of God. Stop worrying about those things. 
Stop being, stop focusing on the things that are negative in your life and understand that Jesus Christ will see you through any, any situation. I don't care what your situation is. God will see you through those circumstances. Amen. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55, 11 reminds us that the preaching of God's word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888 888- 818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch. Hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.